listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to show you something in this session, and then in the fourth session, we're going to get back to being a little bit more practical. But in this session, I want to show you something that I feel, if you allow it to, it can hurt, especially, you know, the people that are here, we come from a very uh, specific kind of Christianity. We're not coming from different, you know, there's not like Southern Baptist Convention people here, and then there's like Presbyterian. We come out of that like whole Pentecostal charismatic group of, of believers. So one of the things that happens is that sometimes people will use the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit almost as if it's an excuse to not be prepared. Who has been there? Well, actually, brother, we don't plan anything. We're led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. And, uh, and I know we've all been in that place, but there is something in this third session today that I want to deal with, and I'm, I call it the development myth. The development myth. I want to deal with that in this third session because one of the things that we have to realize is we're not just called to the Spirit, which we are. We're also called to excellence. Not just called to the Spirit. We are, listen, don't, hear, don't mishear what I'm saying. We are Spirit people. I'm not telling you to stop being led by the Spirit. By no means am I saying that. I'm saying that when you are led by the Spirit, the Spirit leads you into excellence. Amen. Always leads you into excellence. And uh, I'm going to show you from the Word of God in this session how important development is. And it has nothing to do with separate. These, these two things, led by the Spirit, developed, prepared, excellence, they are not diametrically opposed. These are not, well, brother, you know, I don't know any, it's like, I, I heard people back when I was learning how to play the keyboard and learning how to worship. I heard people talk about these great praise and worship leaders as though it was a badge of honor. Oh, brother, I tell you, he gets up there, man. He's so annoying. He don't even know what he's playing. He's just up there playing. And my God, he don't even know what he, what he's hitting on the keys. If you asked him what chord that was, he couldn't even tell you. That's not a badge of honor. No, this is a gift that we've received from God. You may start that way. You weren't called to end that way. Amen. I said, amen. Can you imagine if I went up to ask, you know, my, my, my little son, who's not even two years old, you know, he knows several things that he eats, but only a few. He knows lollipop, ice pop, pizza, very, very few things. You know, he knows, obviously that's not all we feed him. Don't, don't call, you know, CPS on me or anything, but he eats more than those things, but he can say them now because he likes them the most. So he's learned to say those things. He'll come to me, I pop, I pop, I pop. He'll say it like 19 times. I want an ice pop. Lollipop, lollipop, lollipop. Pizza, pizza. You know, hear that. But if he was 28 years old, standing in front of a 50-some-year-old dad going, I pop, I pop, I pop. I say, you have an issue. Because he may have started out not knowing what he was looking for. He might have started out not knowing what he needed. But he shouldn't spend his whole life not knowing what he needs. Development is a process and it should be there. It's just as much a part of life as being led by the Spirit. And and in fact, these two things go together. The Spirit agrees with the Word. They go together. 
See, the development myth is that if we're truly spiritual people, then everything that we're to do, we'll do in the moment. The Holy Ghost will give it to us in that one moment. And if we're not doing that, then we're too planned. We're Baptists. And it's foolishness. It's foolishness because what ends up happening is, is that, think of it this way, that the Holy Spirit can speak to you what you're to do two weeks before the service. Do you know he doesn't go on vacation until service starts? He's like, I'm back now. Let's get this party going. No. The Holy Ghost is there with you all the time. And no matter what gift that you have in here today, whether it be singing, whether you're just a worshiper in the congregation, any part of your life, uh, spirit-led does not mean spirit-led just in service moments. It means spirit-led through your whole life. Meaning, you can be spirit-led when you wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning or if you're on your way to work at that time. Doesn't matter what you're doing at that time of day. You can be spirit-led in that moment. You can be getting things. I get things, you know, from the Lord. And I have to remember because, yes, my wife, I'm more of like the vision guy and she's the detail person. God paired us perfectly together. I'm the vision guy and I don't want to get too overly bogged down in all these details. So I have a mind that sees the vision and knows what I want to look like and where I'm going. And then like the details, she'll have reminders on her phone. She knows all the things that are happening. She knows every little, and I have to remember to use like a note taking app on my phone, iPad and computer that all sync together so that anytime God gives me something, I pop it open. I don't do anything. My phone's always with me. I could be walking around the block doing my daily walk which is when I pray, I walk and pray. And I keep that thing on the ready because if the Holy Ghost speaks, by the time the walk's over, I'm not going to remember it all. So I'll stop. Pop, 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 pop. I'm putting it down because I want to remember what the Holy Ghost said. Being spirit-led, I'm not even in the service. I'm not even preparing for a service. Spirit and development, they go together. Here's the myth. We don't organize, arrange, or practice anything because we like to be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. And they make it sound real holy, you know. Like some mystical thing is going on. Here's people that didn't even know they could sing a song. Here's people that didn't even know how to play an instrument. And all of a sudden, they just all stood on the platform at the same time. And it turned 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And all of a sudden, they were imbued with some sort of supernatural power that put a set list together. And musicians began to play the same chords. It was supernatural. No. God's a detailed God who's into planning. Read the story of Noah. He gave him every specific dimension of the ark. Not only that, he didn't stop there. He said, I don't want you to use any wood. Use the kind of wood I tell you to use. Mm. Close it together like this. Make pitch. Close the ark up. Make sure every little thing is determined ahead of time. Because if you want success when it's time for the action to start, many people have said it like this, even in the business world, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail just bottom line sense that God is a God of wisdom. Hallelujah. God's a God of wisdom. Thank you, Octavia. She did a great job. How many appreciate these musicians? Would you give them a hand? Tell me you love them. So let me start by this. I want to deal with this just for a few moments as we get into it, because every person in this room is gifted, anointed, and talented by God. Every person. I can say that without question because God does not design his children without gifts, callings, or purpose. There is no believer without gifts, callings, or purpose. There might be people that think they are. It's because they haven't yet discovered their gifts, callings, and purposes. It's not because they're not gifted or called or purposed. Because God does not do something in chaos. God always does something in order. 
So when he called you into his kingdom and he already had a plan for your life and a purpose, he already had the gift set aside for you to complete your purpose. Hallelujah. So there's nobody that can get out of this thing. Well, you know, brother, I don't really have a gift. We all have gifts. They're just not all the same gifts because if God was redundant, he would have given everybody the same gift. But here's the thing. He has a massive apparatus called the kingdom of God that needs to function and move forward. If everyone had the same gift, we could not move the kingdom forward because there's people, you know, you know, there's people that need to do things. Others can't even imagine themselves doing. There's people that are, that come to church on a daily basis, literally that could not fathom standing on a platform with a spotlight on them, with a microphone in their hand, singing out songs. And and, I mean, there's people that come, if you told them next Sunday, we're going to have you do that. They would have a heart attack and die in the pew. Do you know, they say to, they tell us public speaking is the number one fear of people in the world. Did you know it ranks above the fear of death? Meaning, if we were at a funeral today, there's people that would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. That's where we're at. Because people are so, so not everybody's got the same gift called talent. And if we did, we couldn't move the kingdom forward, but you have to discover yours. And once you've discovered your gift, you have not only got to recognize it, you've got to pursue it faithfully and forcefully. Amen. Put that down in your notes. Faithfully and forcefully pursuing your gift. Faithfully means you never stop going at it. Even when you feel like quitting, you don't quit. Because let me just help you, there will be times you feel like quitting. But faithfully, meaning you never quit, and then forcefully, meaning giving everything you got towards it. This is not a hobby of mine, it's my calling. This isn't something I do when I have free time, it's my purpose. So I don't just faithfully pursue it, I forcefully pursue it. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 18, I believe it is, uh, or 16, the Bible says the, um, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So what does it take to get into that kind of pursuant, uh, pursuing your call and ministry? A violent faith, violent faith to go after that. Here's the story. Jesus tells the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Three servants who their master comes to them and says, here, first servant, take five talents. Second servant, take two talents. Third servant, take one talent. The talents they had gotten at that moment were based upon, by the way, their previous abilities. Oh, notice this is that our God's not a socialist God. This is not an even, you know, distribution of gift and talent. He will reward you and take you higher based on what you did previously with your gift. Oh, we're, we're going to get into that in a minute. He will reward you and take you higher. He doesn't keep the... Okay, let me say it this way. I, I said it this way a couple of days ago. You've got you to get this. The body of Christ does not get promoted and advance rectangularly. What do I mean by that? Everybody at the bo- in the body, looking across a sea of people, they do not all advance this way. The body of Christ advances and gets promoted triangularly. What does that mean? It looks like this. Meaning, the higher you go, the less people are at that level. The closer you get to the pinnacle, the less people. Why? Because the, the, less, the higher you go, less and less people are willing to do what it takes to get to that level. So the higher you go in life and in the body of Christ, you'll find less and less people. That's why you hear people say it's lonely at the top. Well, not if you've got the Holy Ghost. 
but that's a worldly expression that people say because they understand once you get to the top, there ain't nobody else there. That's why you're on top. There's nobody else there. Might be a handful of people because nobody, see, everybody does the base enough to not get fired. Huh? But if you want to go higher, it means staying longer, doing more, taking other people's tasks that weren't willing to do them, doing the work when everybody else is on vacation. See, I'm willing to do more. There's a reason why my body doesn't look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson's body. I'm about his same height. I'm about his same stature and width of shoulder. I have all the same muscles that he has. I have pectorals. I have biceps and triceps. But why do his look so much different than mine? Because we have two different sets of dedication. His dedication is to the weight room, to proper food preparation, you know, whereas my dedication is to like the, the dollar menu at the drive through <laughs> So we're both expanding, but in different places. <laughs> I'm expanding more around the midsection where he's expanding in the top section. You see, we both, no, I'm not, I, I'm not deformed in my body. I wasn't born with deformities. I have the same muscles. I could look like him, but I don't have the dedication. That's why I'm here where I'm at now. I don't look like that. I could say, now, please get this. This will help you for the rest of your life because this frustrates people. Write this down in your notes. There's a difference between potential power and actualized power. Potential power and actualized power. Potential power, actualized power. In my, in my potential power, I could bench 350 pounds and do 10 reps of it. 350. That's my, I could potentially get there. In truth, I'm not, that's not my actualized power. So I could try to activate potential power immediately and be frustrated. Oh my goodness. I could go to the gym right now, throw 350 on the bar, throw myself down on the bench, tell my spotter, lift it off, lift it off. And, ah! and then all of a sudden, all my ribs are broken. Why? And I get frustrated. Go, I thought I could get it. Well, potentially I could, but it takes dedication to get there. So listen, here's the problem is that you have to take the seed of your actions and let them turn into the harvest of your purpose. The seed of your actions turns into the harvest of your purpose. The seed of your actions turns into the harvest of your purpose. What does that mean? It means it's stupid for me to go to Planet Fitness one day and do 10 reps on the bench press and then go stand in front of the mirror and throw my shirt off and go, this stuff don't work. I just did a whole set on the bench and I look exactly the same. Yeah, it doesn't work the way you think it does. It's working, but it doesn't have that same speedy result that most people are looking for because most are not willing to come back day after day after day after day after day. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The seed of my actions turns into the harvest of my purpose. And it all comes with dedication and development. And see, the development myth says, see, this is why some people never advance past where they're at in their gift. You check them out when they're 20 years old, they can do whatever they can do on their instrument, in their vocal you know, abilities, whatever. You come back and check them out when they're 30, they can do the exact same thing. You know why? They treat their call like a hobby. They treat their gift like a pastime. They sing only, play only when they step up on the platform on Sunday. They've learned the set, they've learned the song, they know four chords, and they think they got it down. Capo it. They capo their destiny. 
They capo their purpose. If you don't know, you're not a guitar player, you don't know what I'm saying? A capo allows you to learn how to play one set of chords. You can learn to play the guitar in the key of G and never learn any other key and then put capos all the way up the neck and play in every key, but you never learned anything else. And there's people that, and if you're a guitar player that capos, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying you're at a lower level than the rest of us. Anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm just joking. You. Uh, sometimes it's the easy, who wants to play in C sharp on a guitar? Nobody wants to do that. You have hand cramps for four years. The, 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 the point I'm making is people capo their purpose and their destiny. They stay in one place and they learn one thing and they expect that to carry them through the rest of their purpose in life. And it doesn't work like that. Anybody who wants to advance to the next level has got to be willing to have seeds of purpose. I'm sowing my time and my actions so that my harvest can come back to me and I can rejoice with it. And in the parable of talents, the master gives five to one, two to another, and one to another. He leaves town, leaves the country, comes back. The, The man who had five, there's a reason he had gotten five and the others gotten less. He had invested it, took his talents, invested it, caused it to expand so that when the master came back to check on the talents he placed in his life, he said, check it out. I doubled it. Here's 10 back. Ooh. He said, my God, you're a good servant. Gate checked the one. What about you? I gave you two. Yep. Invested it, doubled it. Here's four, doubled it, doubled it. Now, can I say this? You would think, oh my goodness, this is going to bless somebody. You would think that the one who got five and gave the master back 10 did more than the one who only got two and got four. But if you look at it, it was the exact same rate of production. They both doubled what they'd been given. Oh, and I tell you, the master looked at him and said, well done, you're a faithful servant. But then there was one who got one and he got one for a reason. The master had looked at his track record and said, we're going to try you out one more time. Here's one. And the Bible said he buried it in the ground. What does that mean? He only sang when he came to church on Sunday morning. He only played his instrument when he came to church on Sunday morning. Never practiced through the week. Never prayed over his gift. Never developed his gift. Never watched YouTube tutorials and every other thing that's available for people today that's free. It doesn't cost you a dime. And people don't have the time to develop their gift at home on their phone, on their iPad, on their laptop. It's free. It doesn't cost you any lessons, money, no fees. It's all right there. But he buried it in the ground. And when the master came back, I want you to see, this is so important. When the master came back and checked on him, he said, I knew you were a hard taskmaster." He said, so I buried mine and I didn't want you to lose it. So here it is the exact same as when you gave it to me, you're checking up on me all this time later. And my gift looks the same. Now, hold on. This may be convicting. I'm not here to condemn you, but I want your heart to be convicted if anybody ever was tempted to go in this direction. He said, my gift, my talent looks the same as it did when you left me. And when when people left back then and went overseas to other countries, they weren't gone for days. They were gone for years. They come back. It took a long time to ride a donkey to another country. And he's gone for years. Many times these people would go on these, they would take caravans, they were gone. And they'd be back to their property years later. He comes back possibly years later and says, let me check out your talents. Let me check out your gifts. They look exactly the same as when you left. Notice he didn't say, I'm, I'm disappointed and yet let you try better next time. You know what he said? You wicked servant. Wicked. 
You know what? God looks at people who he has invested his gifts and talents into their life and they take them and throw them on the shelf as if they're nothing and don't develop them, don't pursue them and don't honor what God's placed in their life. And God says, you're wicked. What? Yes. Oh, wicked. He said, you wicked. Now look at this. He then removed it and gave it to somebody else who would do something with it. Now, everybody's mind probably goes to that scripture. But brother, the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That's talking about salvation. Once he extended his grace to you through Jesus Christ, that grace is always extended. But it's not talking about your personal gift and talent. It's talking about the gift of Jesus Christ given to the body of Christ. He'll never revoke Christ's sacrifice on the cross. The gifts and calling, not callings. Read the scripture again and it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Christ. But when God gives you something, you know, it's funny how we always look at things like finances and think stewardship. We better steward our finances. We have a proper budget. We better have a proper budget. We better know it. We better tithe. We better give. We better have some savings. We better provide for the children. We have a budget. We are preparing ourselves. We're stewarding what God's blessed us with. And we think of relationships. We need to steward these relationships. I need to make sure I'm treating people right. And all that's true. And then we get to our gift and our calling and our purpose and nobody talks about stewardship. But just as much as you steward your money, your relationships, there had better be a priority in your spirit to steward your gift and your purpose and your talent. What does that mean? I'm not gonna be the same keyboard player this year I was last year. Amen. I'm not going to stop pushing forward. You know, I could easily, very easily say, well, you know, brother, I'm a preacher, actually, if you want to know the truth about it. I just play the keyboard on the side. Keyboard was the first gift God ever gave me. First. First thing he allowed me to do for his kingdom, ever, was to play and to worship. First things are important. Gave it to me, gave me the ability to do it. I'll talk about that maybe a little later, about how I received a gift from the Lord. And when I, when I started, I was at the place where I just knew things sounded good, didn't quite know the names of everything. But almost immediately, you know what I did? Because back then there was not really internet. That's how old I am. There was not internet. I mean, you know, you had to go back. Some of y'all remember this. There was AOL. That's all we had. Miracle was online. And we went and we, we, would, put, we would put in a URL. We would put in a website. And then you would go to the next room and watch a whole sitcom show. And when you were done, come back, the page was loaded. That was high speed right there. <laughs> back down, check it out. Oh, it's, it's up. You had to connect and there was that ear piercing sound that was like people screaming inside of a little modem box on your... There were like little midget internet people screaming in there to connect to it. That's what that was. You thought it was just like a fax connection. People were screaming to reach the URL that was so far away. Back then, I didn't have any of that. So what did I do? Went to Barnes and Noble. What did I buy? A cord encyclopedia. Because my first order of business, because the scripture said, study to show yourself approved. Let me read that to you. Because although that's in context of taking the word of God and handling it with care and rightly dividing the word of truth, it applies to every gift and talent. Listen to this. <clears throat> this is 2 Timothy 2.15 in the New Living Translation. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Oh, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed. Then it says rightly, rightly dividing or correctly explaining the word of truth. But even in your gift and calling, work hard so that you can present yourself to God 
and receive his approval. Notice the master here did not approve of the one who did not advance. So all God approves is advancement. Oh my goodness. People, you know, this is not the grace gospel, by the way. People do not like to hear that it does not matter. What, that's what people want to hear. It does not matter what you do, brother. Hallelujah. It's all about his mercy and grace. Praise the Lord. But let me encourage you today. God's looking for advancement. I said, God's looking for advancement. And there's a place at the top if you're interested. I said, there's a place at the top if you're interested. Just be encouraged by this fact. The harder you work, the less people will be doing what you're doing. It's it's crazy. People think, man, you know, there's just so many people doing it. There's not so many people doing it hard. There's not so many people going after it with their whole heart. I can promise you this. I've been around. I've seen the laziness that pervades uh, this this land. You'd be surprised if you saw how many people actually have a gift. Do you know how many people are standing in Nashville on the side of the street playing for the, the lines to go into shows? They got a gift that they never developed, never did anything with, but they just sit out there and play for change. And it sounds great, but you know where they're standing? Out on the pavement while people are paying real money to go watch someone else who's less talented but more dedicated. Oh, my goodness. I made up my mind. I may not be, because, you know, understand, these things are not all the same. You know, there's some people that are born that have the ability to, I mean, you, you just look at certain people. They have a gift. That's a true gift. It's a true gift. True. I mean, there's, I was posted somebody on my Instagram yesterday. It's this girl. I mean, she's like less than 12 years old. I mean, she's playing jazz chords that will blow your mind. I'm 35 and can't play what she's playing yet. But you understand, that's a gift. But one, one thing I found out that everybody starts the same at is how hard they'll work at what God's given them. That is an even playing field. You might be out gift, you, you might outgift me, you will not out-hustle me. You might outgift me, you won't out-hustle me. We had a team that won the state championship when I was in high school. I mean, we went to the capital of West Virginia, played in front of 16,000, 17,000 people. We were a no-name team from the backwoods of nowhere. Bunch of white boys that couldn't jump. I'm telling you, went to the state capital, played against these guys that all had D1 scholarships to play basketball, football, or baseball at any school they wanted to go to. They should have beat us. They, I mean, they were way more talented than us. They were way more skilled than us. But there was, some, there was a fight in these backwoods boys that all they knew was hustle. All they knew was hustle. You, you, might, be, you might be faster, stronger. You might, be, you might be more gifted. You might have the talent. But you will not out-hustle me. You will not work harder than me. Because that's an evil, even playing field. And when it comes down to doing the work of the Lord, I will not be out-hustled. I will not be out-hustled. Bottom line. You have to make up your mind. God put this in me because he trusted me with it. Put, you think John, my bass player, got to where he's at on the bass guitar where he could play it like it's an electric guitar because he just sat around playing video games his whole life with his bass dusty over in the corner? No, you don't get to that level by sitting around pulling your bass out of the case to play every Sunday morning for 20 minutes and then throw it back in the case. My guitar player, Tim, any of these people you see singing, playing, you think it happened? Do you know when I first got my first keyboard, it was an old Roland D50 from 1987 or 84. I still have it today, an old synthesizer, old Roland D50. And I, and I put it in my room. I would come home from school and just sit up in there and close the door, throw headphones on, and for hours just play. I was so hungry 
to play and to advance and to go further with the gift God put in me, I just wouldn't stop playing. I played nonstop. You're not going to out-hustle me. You're not going to out-hustle me. I got a talent, I got a gift. It's not getting buried in the ground. It's going to be doubled. It's going to be multiplied. I was hungry. Anytime I'd go to a new church, I'd be sitting on the front row. You know, I'm bouncing and I'm listening to the whole praise and worship team. And when I would hear the keyboard player do something that I was like, ooh, that was bad. I remembered what song it was and what point of the song it was. And as soon as service was over, I was running up on the platform. Dude, show me that thing you did right in this song right here. Show me that change. Show me the change you did. And I would be up there and he'd be showing me. And then the God anointed my mind and I never forgot anything with a hunger, see. You're not going to out-hustle me. There's no way you're going to out-hustle me. We all have an even playing field when it comes to that. And what I've found is that there are people that are, write it in your notes this way, because this, this way you'll never forget it. People who are less gifted and more dedicated will always outperform people who are more gifted and less dedicated. People who are less gifted and more dedicated will always outperform those who are more gifted and less dedicated. You look at guys that are in the NBA and you think, wow, what a gift they had. You look at somebody like, (laughs) you look at back in the days when the NBA was real, you know, when people really played the whole time hard. Like when Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas and all these guys really played. And it was like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, after this, we're all going to go be friends and go to the same club and have a party night. It was like, if we lose to you, I won't speak to you for five years. I hate you. You know, you listen to the documentaries. Larry Bird hated Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson hated Larry Bird. Michael Jordan hated anyone he played against. And you think these guys were just going, hey, oh, we're making millions of dollars. No, no, no. This was real deal for them. If I lose, I, I am mad. I am angry at you. And they tell us the stories of guys like Michael Jordan. You think, you think he was just so gifted because he was the, you say basketball and everybody thinks Michael Jordan and think he's the greatest of all time and all this stuff. But let me tell you, they said he would be in the gym outworking everybody. Always there. Always practicing. They said Larry Bird shot thousands and thousands of free throws a day. This kid was some little white dude from the middle of Midwest Indiana and got into a league playing against all these guys, more gifted, more talented, taller, faster, better, and became one of the greatest that ever played the game because his dedication, he out-hustled everybody. Everybody. People to this day are still mad at him. I mean, I watched documentaries. There's people that, he makes me angry. Why? Dedication is there. Dedication is there. I will give it my all. And that's what this, see, when God entrusts you with this, now watch, this, this will help you. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.18 that the path of the just is, a, is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. That's God's picture of your life. Your path, because you're the just, your path is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day when Jesus comes to take you home, which means every day your path should increase. I'm not called to go up one year, down the next year. A lot of production in 2018, shutting it down a little bit in 2019. No, ever brighter, ever brighter, ever brighter. So let's, let's talk about this for a second. Is it really spirit or is it skill? Spirit or skill? Spirit or skill? Are we led by the spirit or are we making plans to practice, just become good technically? Now, let me tell you something. This is by no means 
an excuse for people to, to not be, be spiritual or to not uh, develop their gift or, or, or do that. But let me just tell you, there is skill that needs to be involved with what God's given you. There is skill. Now, skill is not the only thing that makes the anointing come. I've been in services before. This is no lie. Every person on the platform was paid. I'm talking like high-end people, studio musicians. Every person was at the top of their game. Every singer was paid top of their game. And there was no anointing. I mean zero. I'm talking zero. It was like being at a concert on Broadway. The, technically, it was phenomenal. Light show. Everybody on the point with their musical ability singing. It was excellent and zero anointing. Zero. You know, you know who has great technical skill? Broadway has it. You're not going to beat Broadway. Broadway's where it's at. But zero anointing. But that doesn't mean you give up on skill just because skill's not the only thing that brings the anointing. The anointing is what makes the difference. But God also expects skill. And let me show it to you. Look at this. Psalm 33 and verse 3. Now this will blow your mind. Because here's a command from God through the psalmist. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Play what? Skillfully. So he didn't just say praise him on the harp. He said, get out there, get your harp, practice till you're skillful, and then praise him with something that's worth him. Oh, a king doesn't get just somebody who just learned it today. I just I pl I plucked out a couple little notes here, king. I wanted you to hear this. I was putting this together on the way over here. No. Play skillfully on the harp. It means that your dedication to the king in your gift should develop you to a place of skill. Oh my goodness. Now look, God's doing this not just for him, but for you. And here's why. Let me show you why. Uh, we, we quoted this verse earlier, but Proverbs 18, 16, listen to this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Great men. I've gotten to be around and meet great men simply because of developing my gift. That's it. And be in the room with some of the greatest men. Literally, some of the greatest men that have ever walked the face of the earth. I've got to shake their hand to receive, have them lay hands on me simply by developing my gift. And then it opens doors. You walk into places and it got, your gift takes you places that nothing else could take you there. It's powerful. And it happened to David. As I was preaching in the first session, it happened with David where David himself got anointed by Samuel and the Bible says he'd become skillful on the harp. Now look at this. The Bible says that uh, in 1 Samuel 16 verses 14 through 23, King Saul's mind started getting troubled by an evil spirit. So his servant said, oh, here's what we need to do. Oh, king, when that evil spirit troubles your mind, let us go find for you someone who can play skillfully on a harp. Oh, man. Let us find someone who can play skillfully. And the king commanded them, go find me, one translation says, a good musician. A what? A good musician. He said, oh, and one of the servants piped up, we know someone, the son of Jesse, who all he does is sit out in the field and play his harp. We know him, his reputation. Now why? I want you to see this because your reputation of your gift is what begins to make room. Notice, as soon as someone in the kingdom said, skillful harp player, everyone thought, oh, Jesse's son David. Jesse's son David's skillful harp player. I heard him all the time. I saw he does play that harp. 
So notice his reputation, even though he was just a shepherd, his reputation was already pushing him into great places. And, you know, basketball, Michael Jordan. See? Skillful heart player, David. His name was attached to his gift. Oh, man. His name was attached to his gift. So that when you begin to develop your gift, God, see, here's the thing people, they stumble over, stumble over. I can't, let me give you a side note, by the way. Everybody in here that's part of a praise and worship team or a worshiper, if someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. Don't do that thing that, well, all glory be unto God. I mean, he gives the gifts. We're just the vessels. We're just earthen vessels of clay that crack and sometimes, I mean, no one wants to hear a story. You know, stop it. Just stop. People are all trying to be all super humble. Oh man, you killed it today in praise. Oh my God, it's all under glory and honor to him. He's the only one. I mean, I point to heaven because that's where my father, just like, man, thank you. Thank you. See, here's the issue. People think it's prideful. You're not taking God's glory. You know what I started saying to people? People go, oh man. I was like, man, great job in worship. And people go, oh, all glory to God. I already gave him glory. Now I'm telling you, you did a great job. Because here's the bottom line is people think they're stealing. You're not stealing God's glory. You just finished for an hour giving him glory on the platform. Not stealing his glory. Here's the thing. People don't understand this. You are part of a different kind of breed. You are part of the Abrahamic covenant. The what? Abrahamic covenant. Jesus died so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon the Gentiles through faith. The same things God said to Abraham, now through Christ he's saying to you. You know what he said to him? He said, I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. Oh, thanks for all the shouts. He said, I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. God has zero issue with your name being great. Zero. Zero. Because people on this earth are only going to know as much about God as you present to them. That's it. What you present. And it takes... You know, the only people that don't like Joel Osteen are Christians. Every person I meet in a plane, uh, wherever I'm at, and there's sinners all around, and they say, hey man, what do you do? I'm sitting next to him on a plane. I'm a preacher. Oh, like Joel Osteen. Yeah. I watch him on TV. I like him. He's really encouraging. Only Christians have something bad to say about Joel Osteen. But can I tell you, every sinner in America knows who he is. You know why? Because God has blessed him and made his name great. I'm telling you right now, that's the Abrahamic order of blessing. It's not that just people know the name of God or Jehovah or Jesus. You know whose name they know? Billy Graham. Got whole parkways named after him and met with, oh, you know what, eight, nine presidents to talk to them and to advise them and to pray for them and to get in. Why? Because he followed the, uh, the voice of God, developed his gift, developed his calling, and God said, I got no problem with your name being great. Oh, just no, all glory. I mean, all glory to God. We give glory to God. But he said, if you get into this covenant with me, I'll bless you to such a degree. You'll expand to such a degree. People will know who you are before you come. That's what happened to David. He got so blessed under the Abrahamic order of the covenant that when the king needed a good musician, a skillful harpist, he said, oh, get David. He's the best one there is. Pulled him in. Guess what now just happened? A man who was a shepherd that smelled like the wild, smelled like his sheep, gets pulled out of the field and his gift makes room for him and now he's not standing before some 
business owner. He's not standing before some cattle rancher. He's standing before the king of the nation. Because his gift just opened the door and made room for him. Because he was willing to develop it to that point. Oh my God. To the point, let me get to it. To the point where the Bible says, then the evil spirit came back to Saul's mind. And the Bible says, David got up in the court with the harp and never sang one word. Didn't say that. Father God, you know, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. No, he didn't. None of that. Bible said he just took his harp out and started playing. Didn't have to sing. Didn't have to sing it out. He played it out. Because he developed this gift to the point where he's plucking the strings, but a prophetic anointing is coming through his fingers into the strings and the power of God got so strong in the court, the evil spirit had to leave the room. Had to leave the room because he, he didn't abide by the development myth. Well, I'm anointed, so I don't really need to play this all the time. No, he was all over it. All over it. All over it. God loved listening to David. Loved it. So this is a man after my own heart right here. I love this guy. I love this guy. Oh, but David made mistakes. Yes, he did. God still used him. Because his prayer was, create within me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me out of your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God said, I can work with that. Repentant and diligent. I can work with that. To the point where when Jesus came to the earth, that was the only man he wanted to be identified with. Jesus, son of David. And David had this way through his development with God, through his praise with God, where he could talk to God on a crazy familiar level and God had no issue with it. No issue with it. He would say the craziest stuff. You need to break out a translation like the New Living or the ESV. Read the things David would say to God. It'll blow your mind. It is crazy stuff. We don't even pray. Nobody in this room prays like David prayed. David would pray. Read Psalm 3. Oh Lord, my enemies are rising up against me. But I ask you, O Lord, to smite the cheekbone of the wicked and break their jaw, O Lord. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. And God would say, I can get with this. Let's go. I'm ready to get on this plan right now. And God would smite the cheekbone and shatter the teeth of those who rose up against David. David was insane. David was the kind of guy who was so sensitive that he could write psalms and then cut your head off in the next moment. A man of war and a man of the spirit at the same time. Takes that kind of a spirit to advance forcefully into the kingdom of God. Got to be sensitive, but you also got to be ready for war. Sensitive, but ready for war. To the point where David, you know, David understood that his praise gave him supernatural leverage with God. He knew it. And that's the crazy thing. When you know it, you'll use it. And he used it. And it's so funny. Read some, of the, read some of the things he wrote. So hilarious. He'd be like, he'd use that praise to get him out. Even if he was not living right and he was in jams and he had problems where enemies were getting ready to destroy him, he'd go down and start praying. Oh God, they're rising up against me from every direction. My enemies have come to kill me and to put me under the ground. But Lord, if they kill me, who will praise you? And then he'd ask questions like this. Can my soul praise you from Sheol? I don't think so. So Lord, it is in your best interest to keep this boy alive because I'll praise you. I'll dance out of my clothes. I'll praise you and get undignified. Just take care of these enemies first. And God said, perfect. I'm on it. Pow. Because David understood his leverage gave him access to the heart of God. 
the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart. Hmm. Now you may have read a book like The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, but understand, and I know everybody receives love in a different way, but a mere gift will not produce the same result as intimate affection. I wonder how my wife would feel or any other woman would feel if her husband bought her a gift every day but would never kiss her, would never hug her or hold her. Imagine, at that point, the gift really doesn't mean much because now the gift is coming from somebody that I don't have an intimate relationship with. And people wonder, I wonder how come I'm not as connected to God as I want to be I give him the offering. I go to his house. Yeah, but when was the last time you had an intimate relationship with him? When was the last time you actually got in and told him how wonderful he was, how beautiful he was, how majestic he is? See, the Bible says our God's a jealous God. Doesn't mean he's a 16-year-old girl listening to Taylor Swift. It means that he is one who wants all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. I'm jealous for it. So all, you know, you realize he created us for the sole purpose of praising him. Notice this, the moment people, I got so much to give you this week. The moment people refuse to praise him, you are now operating outside of your intended created purpose. That's why the Bible says, if you don't praise me, the trees will clap their hands and these rocks will cry out. Because get this, God is too great to come into a place and receive no praise. He can't. He cannot come into any place and receive zero praise. So he said, if you won't do it, see, this is your opportunity to get on a level with me where I'll start producing for you. If you'll do it, great, you get the benefit. But if you won't, these rocks will start singing, trees will start clapping because I'm too big and too great to get no praise. Oh, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, the Bible says, for his crucifixion at Passover time. And he come in, what, is that, what are they saying as he comes in? They're saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. What are they doing? They're praising him. Even if, even if Jesus didn't want to go into the city, do you realize their praise was pulling him into the city of Jerusalem? He had to go in even if he didn't want to because God inhabits the praises of his people. And the more they praised him, the more he got sucked into the city to do what he was called to do. Ooh. God inhabits, pulls it right in. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. And then he comes to die for them. The ones that a few days later would say crucify him. Oh, man. Praise gives you access to the heart of God. And see, development brings promotion. And let me finish here and give you a small break before we do this last shorter session. Write this in your notes. If you're tweeting, if you're Facebooking, private dedication brings public exaltation. Private dedication brings public exaltation. God will exalt those who dedicate themselves to him. That's found in Matthew chapter six as he's teaching his disciples about prayer. He said, when you pray, don't be like these hypocrites running out in front of everybody and praying so you can look holy in front of the masses. He said, go into a private place, close the door behind you. And what the father sees you doing in secret, 
he will reward openly. God will never let you dedicate yourself to him privately and not reward you openly. In fact, he wants to reward you openly. He wants people who made fun of you for your dedication to the kingdom of God. Oh, you're one of those tithers. You're one of those givers. You're one of those tongue talkers. You're one of those holy rollers. What are you, one of them Pentecostals? You believe in miracles, signs of wonders. Treat you like you're a fool because you don't believe that the Holy Spirit stopped moving after the early church. They treat you like a fool because you think miracles are real, that if you give, you'll receive, that, that God does what he actually said he would do. They treat you like you're an ignorant Christian. God doesn't want to take, after all that has happened, God doesn't want to take you in some corner and bless you in the shadows. He wants to stand you right in front of everybody that made fun of you, mocked you, and ridiculed you, and then lift you head and shoulders above them and say, see what exaltation happens when you dedicate yourself to the real kingdom of God. Somebody say head and shoulders above the rest. Development brings promotion. Get this. Proverbs 13, 4. Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. You'll prosper in your gift. You'll prosper in your gift. You'll prosper in your gift. Do you know that there's people on this earth right now that have so developed their speaking gift? And I'm talking about not even Christians. I'm talking about just businessmen, CEOs. I'm talking about entrepreneurs. They can stand in front of a group at a business and get paid $200,000 to give a one-hour keynote speech. What? 200 grand to speak for 60 minutes? Why? Because if you'll work hard, develop your gift, you shall prosper. Why does anybody want to hear what they have to say? Because they developed themselves to the place they know what they're saying. (laughs) Amen. Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than standing before ordinary people. Oh, so the level of your development Determines the, determines the level of your platform. Oh my goodness. A church like this, where we have anywhere between 1,100, you know, maybe 1,400 people on the, or some of the largest services, you know, 1,100 people coming and sitting in the sanctuary, they're not going to hire somebody to be the music director that just picked up the piano two weeks ago. Say, so, hey, you're the right person for the job. There's 1,400 people that need to be led in praise and worship. I heard you learned a chord. Go play that chord for 60 minutes on Sunday on the platform. Just bang that one chord out while everybody watches you. They're not going to hire them. Why? Because the level of your dedication determines the level of your platform. Mm. See, it's not that God doesn't want to promote some people. He can't promote some people. He wants to promote them, but he can't promote them because they won't take what he gave them, develop it so that they can go to the next level. (laughs) Next level stuff. See, I'll, I'll maybe get on this on one of these sessions. But when I, when, I was, when I was growing up, we had Super Mario Brothers on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. A couple of 2D Italian plumbers that ran through, jumping on little monsters and banging coins out of boxes. And, and, and it, was, it was a game that there had eight levels, but there were also three boards to each level. One, 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 two, one, three. Then level up, two, one, two, 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 three. And as you leveled up, it would take forever. Back then, there wasn't even the memory in these gaming systems to save your game. You couldn't save your game. You either sat there and played through the whole thing and beat it, or you turned it off, or you left it on and turned the TV off, and your mom turned it off when you were at level seven, three. And you're like, Mom, why'd you turn that off? I was on seven, three. 
I'm not saying that happened to me. I'm saying parenthetically speaking. That's, you just deleted my whole thing. But then I found out something interesting. That at level one, two, when you went underground, da 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 all the bricks were blue. You could jump. I found this out. You could jump up, jump through the ceiling bricks, and run across above all the enemies. And if you kept on running past where you were supposed to go out, the tube, and kept running, you found a secret place with three tubes coming out of the ground. And it said, level two, three, four. Or no, yeah, two, three, four. And it said, because it was made by Japanese people, four English people, the English wasn't even grammatically correct, it just said, welcome to warp zone. It didn't say welcome to the warp zone, just welcome to warp zone. And I found out that if you knew how to go high enough, you could run across the top far above all your enemies. They couldn't even touch you if they wanted to. Because what you learned by impartation took you higher than everybody that was against you. And then you didn't have to go through the pain of 2 1 2 2 2 3 3 1 3 2 3 3. You could actually be at the place where you were welcomed to warp zone. And impartation and development takes you to a place where you can jump from level one to level four. And then if you knew where you were going, level four, two had another warp zone up in the clouds. And you once again ran above your enemies to a second warp zone that allowed you to go to level six, seven, or eight. And in two levels, you could go to the final level of the board and you could get to the place where you're about to end the game and not have to go through what everybody else went through to get there because you had impartation and power to go beyond where others were going and run above your enemies. And what I'm telling you is that I've prayed for you that this week be a week of impartation so that when you go back home that you'll be head and shoulders above where you were before and that there'll be an anointing and a power on your life that your worship will explode, that your praise will explode and that you will see the fruit quickly of what God's called you to do. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, welcome to Warp Zone. Welcome to Warp Zone. do 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 Somebody's about to eat a mushroom in here. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting bigger by the day. 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 The Bible says, God said, I'll make your neck fat. You know what that means? No yoke can be placed around your neck because when the devil gets done fashioning another yoke to put you in bondage, he comes to try it on you and your neck's already too fat for that yoke. And there's no way he can put that thing on you because you've increased to the place his traps don't even fit anymore. I'll make your neck fat. I'll put you at a place where you've gotten so much increase so quickly, the devil can't keep up preparing traps against your life because every time he prepares a new one, it's already too small for you. I'll give you something in here. Mouse traps can't kill me. You could put one in my room like they do on YouTube when they prank people. They put in the dark all over the floor, set mousetraps, and then they blow the whistle and people jump out of the bed and they're dancing. All. I could fall all the way down on the floor. My head could hit a trap. It might sting me, might pinch my ear. It ain't going to kill me. It might just make me mad, but it's not going to kill me because I'm too big to be destroyed by what other little creatures are destroyed by. That's what increase does. Increase puts you in a position where you're too big to be destroyed by what others are destroyed by. 
That's why development, increase, and power are so important because the more you increase, the less chance you have of ever being derailed. Straight up impartation gives you power to walk above your enemies. Seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, and every name that is named. Doesn't matter if it's a Koopa, a Goomba, it doesn't matter what it is. Every name that is named. And it can't touch you. Stand on your feet all over this room. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power. Let every one of us receive this impartation. Never lose this from the word of God. Let the power of God penetrate our spirits and stir us up. Excite us. Put us in a place of encouragement. And by the time we leave this conference, we are leaving in the power of God. And we're leaving with our impartation. We're going higher in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you. And we give you all the praise. Everybody shout amen. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 